Welcome to Candy and Company. I can never tell when that blog talk thing is going to go off, so if I interrupted myself, I'm going to blame blog talk. Anyway, uh, this is Candy Fox, and I'm here with the amazing Joe Minetti. Joe, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Hello, Candy. (laughs) Hi, sweetheart. How are you? I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm really excited, too. So, this is just kind of an introduction show for Joe and I, and... um, he and I are both pretty straight from the hip kind of shooters when it comes to truth. So I thought, you know, what a better topic than to just start it out and tell it like it is. Yeah, keep it real. Keep it real. And uh, gosh, there's so many things going on. I don't even know where to start. You know, first, maybe we should tell everybody a little bit about ourselves. So, Joe, why don't you tell us about you? Oh, you're going to have, well, Ladies first, ladies first. Ladies first. All right, all right, all right. So um, I have been on Blog Talk in some form or fashion for about 10 years now, and uh, I'm I'm very excited to say that as uh, a host and a co-host that uh, the show has reached a little bit over 950,000 listeners. So sometime this year we will hit our millionth listener, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I have written online for online magazines. I have done just about every job that there is to do, uh, you know, and now I'm an author. I have my first book out, and I will have two books out this year uh, within the next few months, so I'm really excited about that. I am an LGBTQ advocate, and, uh, you know, I I really, I'm one of those people that kind of just loves everybody. Until you give me a reason not to, I love you. (laughs) That's just kind of my theory on life. Yeah, so the title of my book is Strange Beginnings uh, by Candy Fox. You can get it on um, Amazon, or if you want a hard copy that's actually a a paperback that's signed, you can order it through me, and I will um, sign it and give you all the little goodies that I put out for this book. So Strange Beginnings is out in the second book. Um, Sweet Obsession should be out between March and April, depending on how long the edits take. So that will be the second in the series of The Killing Chronicles. It's a thriller, paranormal twist kind of thing. And then my second series is called The Naked Truth Series. And um, the first book is going to be called Harlequin's Deception, and it's a little more on the erotic side. So for those of you who are uh, paranormal fans, this one's going to be Paranormal Erotica. Oh, I like the erotic part. I like that a lot. Well, of course you do, because you're so sexy. How could you not like erotic things? <laughs> well, it was kind of my career for a while, so yeah. It holds a very special place in my heart. See? See? Mm-hmm. Although I probably could have made a lot of money as a phone sex operator. Yeah, you could. you got a very sexy voice. Well, I, I can drop it down into voice, and then, and then I have a sexy voice that really comes out and kind of sounds like that. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Well, see, this is the end of the evening, the end of the day, when my voice goes up like a couple octaves. Where if we were doing the show in the morning, I'd have you know Joe Manetti voice like this when I first wake up in the morning. Should, should Ooh, I, uh, I, I like it. Do it again. <laughs> you like my morning voice, yeah? <laughs> uh-huh, I do. I like that growly uh, Wolverine thing. It's kind of, it's kind of sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's me being the daddy bear. Uh, oh, so, oh, yes. Joe, Joe is our <laughs> Joe is our daddy bear. So you know, if I just well, randomly say, like, I can just randomly say, "Oh, daddy," in the middle of a conversation, you know, I'm talking about Joe. <laughs> well, I think my introduction is done. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> no, again. come on, no, no. Joe has done everything too. It's just his stuff has been way more fun. Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, everybody has a. Uh, their own niche, right? I mean, I... Okay, I'm Joe Minetti. Uh, where do I start? This is like, this is your life, you know? Um, I was not born in uh, Connecticut where I currently live. I was born in Michigan. I mean, Michigan's in the news all over the place now. That's where I was born. I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So watching this stuff is like, oh, my God. Um, this the horrible stuff with uh, the, the lead poisoning and the water and stuff. Right. Um I was born there, but I was raised in New York. And in 1986, when I was in my early 20s, 
I uh, decided to try to give Hollywood a chance, and I'd done a bit part in a real cheapy, rocky, rip-off boxing film, and I wanted to try being an actor in L.A. So I moved to L.A. in 1986, and that's where I very happily lived through a lot of uh, ups and downs for 24 years before that big economic crash in 2007 when everything just kind of fell apart and California was the first and hardest hit. And I realized right. that I couldn't afford to live there anymore. Yeah, I was heartbroken. I mean, that was going to be my home for the rest of my life. But uh, the bill said, no, it's not going to be. So um, I had to call back to Connecticut where my uh, mom and dad, who were divorced at the time, they divorced a couple years before, um, they were living in Connecticut, you know, separate places, but they were divorced and, and they were living in Connecticut. And I went there because I didn't know where else to go. And uh, that's where I've been living ever since I moved back in 2010. I still spend all my weekends back in New York City. I fly to L.A. when I can, too. Uh, I entered a bunch of bear contests. Uh, you know, I don't know if anyone, everyone knows what the bear thing is. There's the bear and leather communities and the lesbian, gay, bi, transgender communities. Uh, and they have contests. And I was Mr. I was Mr. Bear. You can see my age and all my bear titles. I was Mr. South Cal Bear and Mr. Bear Cub. I was Mr. L.A. Bear, Mr. Uh, International Daddy Bear. was my last title in 2009, and I started to do a lot of fundraising and a lot of outreach with uh, the attention I got with those titles. And that started my fundraising journey, which is what I've really been very active doing for um, support services for HIV, for transgender people, for LGBTQ youth, and uh, for other uh, for homeless people, um, and, and, for, and for other uh, support services. I'm also, right. um, I have a master's degree. I put myself to graduate school in counseling. So I've worked as a mental health counselor. I've worked as an HIV testing counselor. And I have worked, I did keep my original dream uh, active on the back burner with acting. And in 2013, I got sent a script from this really talented guy named Michael Rodriguez, who came up with this movie that was like a retro 1970s send-up to the horror back then, the horror movies. And he got this classic actress, uh, Lynn Lowry, who is so talented and so legendary. She worked with uh, George Romero, and she's worked with, um, she was in Cat People. Um, just right. an amazing actress, uh, an icon. And he got her to play the lead. Uh, it's hard to believe. She's still so beautiful. He got her to play my mom which I didn't know if that was going to work because she still looks so incredibly beautiful and more <laughs> So, um, but she's such a great actress. She had this real whatever ba- happened to baby Jane kind of crazy role. And I played her son. And I had a, they had a little boy who looked just like me when I was a little kid who played my son. And it was called Night of the Sea Monkey. And uh, we shot it in like four days out in Arizona. And we did it so quickly. I was like, well, either, you know, I don't know what this is going to be like. It, was just, it happened so fast. I just hope it's going to be decent. Well, it turned out to be a huge hit on the film festival circuit. It won a, just a bevy of awards at every film festival that, where it was submitted. Um, and I got nominated for Best Lead Actor at the at Fantastic Horror Film Festival out in San Diego, which was a big honor for me. And uh, awesome. Lynn, thank you. Uh, Lynn won Best Actress uh, for her role. Oh, yeah. She deserved it. Yeah, she did such a great job. Uh, Michael got nominated for, I mean, the directing. The, it's a really campy, fun, retro movie. And um, so after that, I also I did a, a really fun guest spot on a web series out in L.A. called Bad Porn, which was a throwback to uh, my youth in adult films. And right. um, they gave me a hilarious guest part, Amber Price and Troy Price. And my friend Mike Pfaff, who's a real up-and-coming actor, incredibly handsome, incredibly talented, um, and incredibly nice guy. He recruited me for this role, and it was just another really great opportunity. I've done, you know, I've done my share of crap, and uh, these were two really good roles back to back, and they were so nice to me. And um, that's awesome. So, yeah, so that, I've been doing that. I did a, a fundraiser recently for a group called Two Colors out here in Connecticut, which supports lesbian, gay, bi, transgender youth, and we raised over two thousand dollars thanks to a lot of very talented, nice people who helped me. And um, I also did a little one-man 
video with a talented man out here called his name is Ricky Mestri. He's an artist. He is a performer. He's just incredibly talented, and he directed and um, helped produce this video I did called Manologues, and it really turned out I think kind of cute and right. really the credit goes to him. So um, yeah, and I guess I guess that's it. <laughs> That's a lot of good stuff. We've actually, um, I've actually had the privilege of having some horror actors on before. One of them, of course, uh, being Russell Todd, who's probably one of my favorite actors, period, because he's probably one of the sweetest people on the face of the planet who I'm, I love and adore. So that's kind of cool mm-hmm. that, you know, you have done some slasher fix flicks. If I could talk, that would help. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, <laughs> one of my favorite actors ever has done some. So that's very, very cool. Of course, some of you may remember, too, that, you know, Joe has been on the show previously as a guest. We've talked about some fundraisers uh, with him. So I'm super excited. And we're going to have so many topics. Today we're just going to kind of have fun and breeze over some things. But we are really going to have – we're going to have some fun topics. But we're also going to have some serious topics, too. Um, I know you have a fundraiser coming up. So before we get into anything else, why don't you tell us about that so we can get that information out? Well, uh, the fundraiser that we just finished was the Bear Soup. Uh, that actually just we just did that on January second, and that was for the group True Colors that does uh, has support services for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth. And that was a really a, a wild success, thanks to to all the people who helped out. Um, it was at the One Six Eight York Street Cafe in Haven, Connecticut. Uh, again, it raised over two thousand dollars, and awesome. uh, we had the men Eden uh, strippers there, uh, Bryce Adonis. And Izzy, Israel, Israel Guadado, uh, who were so sexy and so great. We had a pie-eating stud auction where the people bid to eat pies off them. Those two guys raised us over $100 in like just a few minutes, and people ate these pies off of them. And they gave all the money to the charity. Uh, we I know a few bears I'd pay a lot of money to eat pies off of. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and we had... Um, all the performers uh, that were there were fantastic. Ricky Mestri was there. He did an incredible performance art piece. He did a video with, uh, that included me and Mr. Connecticut Bear, Ken. Ken Benner, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, his last name. But he's the current Mr. Connecticut Bear uh, 2016. Who, he's fantastic and very, very handsome. And we had um, a fantastic dancer, Luis Antonio, who was also in the video with us. And he had the video playing while he actually created a work of art on stage with uh, one of the strippers, Izzy. Oh, wow. And it sold for over $100 right there at the auction. It's Dantia Flames, fantastic drag performer who was so hilarious and so funny and so wonderful. And she helped me out all night long. I have her on my Facebook page. I like her. And Candy Samples, you. Candy, hopefully you're listening. I love you. Candy tells us that. You're talking about um, Candy Samples? Yeah, Candy Samples. Yes. I like her. She has my name. How can I not like her? (laughs) (laughs) How can you not? Candy Candy Samples is one of the most talented singers. And she's doing the AIDS walk again. I'm on her Candy Rappers team. Uh, I think Jed Ryan, who helped me out with the fundraiser that you had on. You had us both on your your show when we did a fundraiser for the Fierce Group for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender youth of color in New York City. And Jed Ryan, he's my fellow Care Bear, he was fantastic, and he helped me out with that. And we're working on another fundraiser. I, You asked me what it was. Uh, it's still in the works right now, so we can't really say anything. But it's going to be in New York City, um, and it's going to be something really big. And I want Jed to be a part of it. Um, yeah, he, yeah, is Jed officially a bear? Yes, he's got a title. He's Mr. He was a Mr. North American Bear. Well, I knew he had a title, but I just wasn't sure body type wise if he was officially a bear. He's a muscle bear. He's adorable. He, he's a I muscle bear. <laughs> he's very sexy, very handsome, and he's one of the best writers in New York City, uh, who is very yeah. involved with the, the social scene. Um, he just did a review of two really wonderful shows that were playing in, in New York City. Um, one was with Ed Asner, A Man in His Prostate, which just the title alone, you've got to go see it. Love it. And of course, and, you know, who can top off the fact that Jed Ryan was, was married by 
Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. I'm pretty yes, sure yes, that yes. you know that's that's going to be pretty hard to top. You know, we've had several bears on the show. I, ha- I have a very bear-friendly show. We've had the entire cast of where the bears are on the show. Yes, uh, more, more than once. I absolutely adore those. Um, Bear City. We've had Gerald McCullough on the show. Um, yeah, I would pay a lot to lick anything off of him. Just, just so you know. <laughs> so do you, are you, I was in the original Bear City. Yes, yes, you were. You were at the end. And I was like, I was, I was at I the very end. <laughs> I was at the end, and end, like after the credits rolled, so that most people have left the theater. So everybody keeps saying, "You were in that that show." I I didn't see you in the movie. I'm like, that's because my you little bit walked I remember that because I had. I think we had just maybe met when I. We had we, not, we did not know each other that well, but I'm like, hey, I know that person. I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my little walk on my cameo in the original comes on after all the credits have rolled and all of a sudden my part pops on. But uh, they were all the cast and Doug. They were all very nice to me. Uh, we filmed that right out in back of the rock bar in the alley there. I'll never forget that. Right, that was actually my f- Candy's first introduction to the bear culture and community. Was watching that movie. And uh, having an opportunity to interview Gerald, so um, I actually learned a lot about the thing that I really love most personally about the community, about the bear community, and about the LGBTQ community is that I feel so welcomed by so many people. Mm-hmm. I can go out and you know, when I go to a street bar. I feel uncomfortable. I really do feel very uncomfortable because I don't know. I, I can go to a gay bar and, you know, 20 gay guys will come up and touch my boobs and my hair and I don't care. If I went to a straight bar and 20 guys came up and did that, there would be a line of guys on the floor because I would hit them. <laughs> well, maybe maybe there's there's the difference. I don't know. I mean, one I'm group is... <laughs> Well, you know, a, a combination of all the above can happen when they touch mine. So at any bar. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> when it, well, the bears community. I well, think, how can uh, you not touch your yeah, Joe? Come on now, I've seen that chest. Yeah, and I'm always taking my shirt off, so I'm kind of welcoming it. So I can't really throw stones. But yeah, um, they do rest. Yeah. Shirt off. <laughs> bears are known for uh, being uh, they're they're reckless for being down to earth and not for. Uh, you know, trying to have a class system, but honestly, it, it does happen. Even in the bear community, you do have uh, the whole A-list, whether it's leather or bear. It does happen, and um, I think as time has gone on, as each group and as lots of groups in the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community have become more mainstream, um, a lot of the things that a lot of the groups were fighting against, which was to to be able to be individual and not to blend and to stand out and just be accepted for being different. Uh, right. Some of that's changed. It's changed, and, and, and it's become it's become almost like a, a duplication of the very thing that they were fighting against in the beginning, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it's good. It's good if people can blend. It's good to be able to have all kinds of diverse groups be able to just be together and not really, uh, I guess, talk about their difference and just bond with what they feel is the same about each other. But I think celebrating the difference is also equally valuable and important. And there are people right, who is, will never be able to blend. You know, as the, one of the very few, if not the only sometimes, GG, genetic girl, that's uh, hung out with a, a very large group of wonderful uh, trans women in um, Indianapolis, I have to say that I'm kind of glad sometimes that we look past those differences because I always felt so welcome in the community and just mm-hmm. had so much fun with those lovely ladies. And, you know, um, I want to say this for those people that, that really don't understand um, or maybe are new to trans and really don't get it. These women spend hours looking to be able to look and feel like women. And I'm talking about, you know, before – um, they're on the hormones and maybe before surgeries and stuff, but when they're really first realizing who they are, um, you know, one of my friends that I became really close with was trusted me enough to, to uh, 
you know, be with her before, um, you know, while she was transforming herself. And the process that they go through, I really just have to take my hats off to the fact that the hours sometimes that they put in to, to being able to look the way that I can look in five minutes and to to feel like you're so out of place, to feel like you're not in your own body and to have to do that. There's just something so heroic about that to me. Well, there's a, the issue that these people who dare to be different are always leaders, I think, that make the world a better place for all of us, even the people who live in privilege and who don't recognize it and who don't have to recognize it because they live in privilege. But the people who make the world a better place for all of us are the people who make all of us challenge our boundaries and broaden our perspectives by daring to be different and not trying to necessarily have to be the same and blend. Now, with gender identity, uh, a lot of, you know, people who are transgender, they will tell you most of the time, at least the conversations I've had, that they've known from the very beginning that they, their gender identity uh, was something that they were very aware of almost from birth. And they just right. had to find so a way to be able to be in the right body yeah. that, 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 you know, that, they, that they needed um, to be in. And gender identity and sexual orientation are two very separate, very complicated issues. But gender identity is an issue that I think still gets a lot of insensitivity, still something that I'm uh, really, really learning about. Uh, my transgender friends have taught me more about the misogyny that goes on in our community, really the hatred of women in general, whether you're gay, straight, bisexual, or transgender. Right. But the yeah. hatred that's directed against transgender people um, or or, or gay men or, or men in general who are identified as, a, as effeminate is really the misogyny, the hatred we have against women. And transgender people, uh, people who deal with their gender identity and are brave enough to embrace that they have a gender identity that was not the gender identity that they were assigned at birth, uh, are really on a journey that's very brave but very powerful. And I think that they've, at least when the ones, again, that I've spoken to and the, the people that I've known about in the media have always identified that they always knew what their gender identity was. It was just a matter of being able to embrace allowing themselves to get the body and the gender identity that they that they deserve and they, that they wanted, that, that that they were born into. They, they knew what their gender right. identity was. They just they had to have it uh, they had to have it adjusted so that they could be the right gender identity that they identify with and that people didn't want to allow them to identify with. But they right. were ahead of everybody else uh, as far as identifying. It wasn't a matter of them having to um, try to so much tweak an adjustment, although, you know, they have to make the adjustments based on what society does to them. But, see, it's it's other people adjusting to what they've always known. They always were smarter. They always were brave enough to know that, no, this is, I know what my gender identity is. It's a matter of you allowing me to be who I was meant to be. Um, sexual right. orientation yeah, no. is, is another issue. Yeah. No, my, my very first um, transgender friend knew from a very young age um, that she was meant to be a girl but didn't get to start a transition until she was 58. Mm-hmm. For various reasons in life, and then yeah. I, I can't imagine that. And then um, I took in a young man uh, for about a year. That um, you know, first he thought he was just a lesbian, and then when he went away to college, you know, he realized that there was so much more there. And, and while maybe his whole life was so filled with angst because he was in the wrong body, um, you know, at that time his family didn't really accept them. They they wanted their daughter, uh, but that's not who he was. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's a tough tough road, I think I think to go down. But Joe and I could probably spend a whole episode on just this. There's so many things uh, that probably we're gonna maybe just touch on tonight. I want to go back to you said you were born, uh, you know, in Michigan, and the problem that's going on right there now. And before the uh, show, we talked about the three strong women who have really stepped up to bat um, for these people. Yes, I mean, look at this. Look at this. T- talk about women power. Talk about female power. The the three three pivotal people who really made a difference uh, with this horrible tragedy in Flint, Michigan, with this this poisoned water. 
that, you know, the the governor, Governor Snyder, um, yes. apparently, you know, they just did not take action, and it, it really looks like people were, were told and reports were being submitted. They just did not take action, but it took, it took Cher, our, 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 who we all love, Cher, and Aaron Brockovich, our favorite person from that, that wonderful movie with Julia Roberts, Aaron Brockovich coming back to the forefront again, and Hillary Clinton to really get things moving and shake it up. Cher had these just truckloads full of water shipped out to, to save these people. And then you had, and also, uh, Rachel, Rachel Maddock, is that, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? And shame on me for not doing that if I did it wrong. I think also, so, yes. Uh, but Hillary Clinton, you know, just getting on the phone, getting on there and saying, you know, take care of this now. And and then right. Aaron Brockovich, you know, coming, uh, yeah, come on, and, and just shouting this out and saying, look, shame on you. You're, you're saying you're sorry is, is, is bullshit. You're sorry because you were caught. Sorry isn't going to cut it now. It's exactly. not going to change and undo the tragedy. It's, 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 you do all along, you did know, don't give me the I didn't know excuse, which I think is so lame, right. or something that I hate with every fiber of my being. And these three people cut through with their truth and their bravery and their willingness to make a difference and just say, look, you've got to do something. No more hiding behind yeah. I don't know, and you, they well, did you know, something. These three women. Cher has been my hero since I was a little girl, so <laughs> she just keeps on. She just keeps on. I mean, um, when Chastity knew that he was Chaz, she didn't bat an eye. It, you know, it was, okay, this is my well, child, I'm here for my child, let's, let's, let's do this. <laughs> she, right. that's but, another, but, yeah, about the connection, yeah, Cher is the, the proud mother of a transgender man. But I, yeah. I marched with Chaz uh, in L.A. When, when we had the march, um, and he marched with us in the streets uh, down San Marco Boulevard, and um, you can see a clip, a clip of me in that, another walk on in that documentary on Chaz. I'm in there in the march uh, right behind him. And I remember Cher admitting she went through a very difficult period where um, she admits she acted very unshare-like for a while where she was having all, but she was very real, very genuine about this, which is a really good learning moment for all of us because it's not easy. And, and to just even admit that and, and, and embrace what she was going through and then still come through with honesty and love. Um, yeah, I take my hat off to her too. She's a great leader. Yeah, I, I really, I really, you know. But Michigan, there's just so many double oh, no. standards going on right now. Totally, and that's one of the things I want to talk about on on many different levels. And one of the things that I want to touch about, and I made a comment on Facebook about this, and didn't even get, uh, you know, I posted about it, didn't even get a comment. And I was kind of surprised. I made a comment about the. Um, the people that are, you know, at the standoff that are in the refuge in Oregon and, you know, they're doing what they're doing. Now, my question is, if that was a group of black people, would they have gone in and stormed the place or would they be taking the lackadaisical stand that they are right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think history proves the answer. And it's right, right. (laughs) Historically, um, we historically in, in America we have a tremendous history of leaders. Uh, we just celebrated one Martin Luther King Jr., who were not afraid to take a stand. And we also have a history of oppression and people who always counted on um, the class system that still does exist of the haves and has-nots of people who will not get attention and people who will get attention people who do warrant our support and people who don't warrant our support. And that's still going right. on. With all the changes we have going on, uh, you're, you're bringing up a very important issue. That's still going on, and we still see it. Uh, we, there's also the danger, I think, of with the, this current uh, blending, the assimilation stuff that's going on, where more and more groups that were once marginalized are, are being told, at least in the media, or by others, that they're becoming more mainstream. At least that's what they're being told. Um, it creates this sense of complacency that, okay, we're, we're, all, we're all joined at the hip now. We're all part of the big picture. But then when you see these hate crimes, you see these groups that don't get the 
services and the support they deserve. It just brings back to the forefront that, that that's not necessarily true. We still do have a long way to go, and we really have to keep fighting and keep very, very vigilant about the fact that we still do have class systems in this country, and we still do have class you know, systems, we, and we still have a lot of corruption going on. Right. We do. I mean, we, we have elected a black president twice, but I have never seen an American president be so trashed and talked bad about in my life. I mean, I saw a meme a few weeks ago that said, in the past, that would have been treason. Can you imagine Barack Obama or Michelle Obama, two of the most, in my opinion, classy, dignified people who have done so much and worked so hard with every the, the pile of crap that they were left with, um, you know, and can you imagine if Barack Obama acted the way that Donald Trump acted? What would people be saying about him? Oh, Trump. Of tremendous white privilege gets away with stuff that Barack Obama would never be allowed to get away with, specifically because yeah. he is a, a black man. And but the fact that he's well, an articulate, intelligent black man makes him even more of a target, in my opinion. You know, Trump talks about immigrants, right? All of his wives, well, except for one, I believe, have been immigrants. Yeah. Just well, yeah. you can imagine the role, as long as they as long as they take their submissive role, whatever. Right, right, um, right. And that's right. not many, I mean, that's not meant to smack against them. That that's my comment against him. I'm not making a smack against his wife. Well, you I'm, know, I'm not going to. And then about him. Him. I mean, that that's just dumb and dumber right there. Oh. <laughs> well, what? Hey, hey, now. What, who wouldn't want an endorsement from Sarah Palin? Uh, hey, wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. They're actually in Oklahoma today, and I totally blocked that fact out until I saw people posting about it all over my page. And I'm like, oh, just, just, they're, they're tainting my state. Please get out of it. Just go. Wherever you are, go. Well, if anything, the, the, you know, uh, uh, I always try to look at, you know, all my years of counseling work and being in counseling, to be a counselor, to be an effective counselor, you have to do your own counseling yourself and, and, and do your own self-work. And one of the things I try to always do is try to look at the opportunity that's available in every situation. And if there's anything that's come out of all of these recent incidents that are so, a lot of them are really tragic and pathetic it's the opportunity to really take a good, hard look at the fact that we still do have a very large, very militant, very powerful, racist, conservative collective force in this country. I mean, right. and a lot of this connection from history, this racial profiling that he wants to engage in, uh, Trump I'm talking about, uh, you know, and, and wanting to, uh, oh, God, his, his comments okay, about... The question that's always foremost on my mind, and I know that this is stupid, but if the man is a billionaire, why is his hair like that? Just just why? <laughs> I need to know. That's, that's his way of appealing to the common people. I don't know. <laughs> I need to know why he's wearing a hamster on his head. Well, I just have to take back what I said. That's an insult to I mean. I think everybody, regardless of their financial circumstances, uh, has better intelligence, better taste, better hair than he does. Um, and how about that appearance on Saturday Night Live? What was that all about? Uh, I didn't watch. There are some things. I don't, there are some train wrecks I will not watch. I just it just it, it happens. I just no. But just just the fact that he 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 went on the show and and really, you know, I know that Hillary's made some guest appearances, but. Trump actually hosted the entire show. And well, actually, what's scary yeah. to me is the amount of people that I see on my feed that are actually pro-Trump. People that I would never in a million years thought would be like him, and, and that kind of worries me because it's like, are you, are you all really thinking about this? You're, are you so worried that Hillary might get the ticket that you would vote for Trump. So what you're saying is 
it sounds like these people are not necessarily pro-Trump, although they are, but they're anti-Hillary. And why are they anti-Hillary and why are they pro-Trump? I mean, why do you think, do they give you reasons why they want to support no, him? No, no, it's just, just like I said, I really haven't, I try not to engage people in conversations about politics unless it's somebody that I know um, is really kind of paying attention because it does you no good to talk to a wall. It's not going to talk back. You can't argue with stupid. So unless it's somebody that I know is really up on politics and maybe their opinion might differ than mine, and I don't have a problem with that, by the way. Um, But if you're being a sheeple, then that's what I have a problem with. Well, you're just being a sheeple. I welcome the the opportunity to admit that I was wrong. I welcome the opportunity to have someone who disagrees with me show me that maybe I should consider their point of view. So I agree with you on that. But I need to to understand where they're coming from. I need to hear a logical reason about why I should defend somebody, you know, uh, that to me is geometrically opposed to everything I fought for my entire life. Don't forget, um, I grew up, the first few years of my life, I grew up below the standard poverty uh, level of uh, the the country at the time. I was born in 1962. I did too. The first, yeah. Yeah, the first two three years of my life, we my family we lived below the standard poverty level, and um, I, I grew up in a family with with no running water, no indoor facilities. Right. right. Yeah, and we hunted for the food or, or grew most of what we ate. Yeah. And uh, you know, I got picked on for that. Uh, I remember. Um, the fact that I was different, which I didn't understand. So, you know, you don't understand your difference. Other people tell you and pick on you and bully you because you are considered less than or you're not as, uh, you're not a part of the, the, the upper class of the neighborhood. And I've always fought for, you know, LGBT, LGBT rights um, and for the better support services for HIV. And, you know, seeing all of these these groups come out and seeing all of this hatred that still exists and all this bullying, it just shows me how much more we have to still go, uh, how much we still have to fight for. Um, I, I'm worried about the fact that, you know, I was a child of the 70s when, you know, the gay rights movement was really powerful and full swing mm-hmm. and the civil rights movements and the women's rights movements and everybody was arguing the right to be an individual. Um and then a lot of things happened, um, and AIDS happened and really hit everybody hard. And I've seen uh, a lot of internalized shame about sex, uh, about really being too radical, especially in the gay community. Uh, I've seen right. something dangerous. So I'm worried that as we, we argue towards blending, that we lose sight of what makes someone a fierce individualist and how important that is. And we can get into well, you know, the debate about the whole You know, we're, we're talking again about some of the, one of the things that we're talking about is, is keeping it real um, and talking about double standards and mm-hmm. talking about people being fierce. You know, as a woman, um, I'm very open with my sexuality. Um, I'm mm-hmm. pansexual. I'm, I'm very open with the fact that I'm polyamorous. Um I'm very open with the fact that um, I have no idea how many people I've slept with because I didn't keep count and I don't care because I'm an adult and I can do what I want. However, there are so many people, and I have to say this, women are really so much worse about judging other women than men are. Hmm. You know, well, so I'm open, I'm honest, I'm, I'm up front, so I get labeled a whore or a slut. Um, not that anybody would dare call me to my face, but, you know, you just know these things. It, it happens. But it seems to me that there's still that double standard where, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, men are still kind of free to go out and sleep with who they want when they want. Minus the labels. Yeah, there's always been a double standard with that with women and men, but I think in the gay community, I have to be honest with you, I think since AIDS hit, I think that has really been a great leveling ground, and that's changed. I know, I think there's a lot of judgment 
for gay men in general from the straight community as well as from the gay community for gay men who identify as single or not monogamous. Uh, there's a question here in the chat room from uh, one of the people who's writing in, uh, David, asking uh, how people in my generation survived the AIDS epidemic, and that kind of addresses this. Um, I grew up in a, a time, I remember, because uh, I was very involved in HIV-AIDS outreach and testing and counseling, and I remember initially, like in the 80s, nobody was judging anybody for the amount of sexual activity they had, even when AIDS hit initially. People were standing on corners right. handing out condoms and lube and saying, you know, they, they knew you were on your way to the sex club or the bathhouse, and they didn't condemn you for that. They just said, okay, you know, here, take a package and be sure to have fun and play safe right. and just use have condoms and lube. That, that changed. That changed. That changed. That whole thing changed. To, uh, you, you, anyone who goes to a bathhouse is a bad person. People who go to sex clubs and are openly sexual, not married or coupled, are bad people. I'm not, I'm not saying this about all people. I, I mean, marriage is a right. wonderful thing. People, people should have the right to get married. I support gay marriage. And I'm not saying all gay married couples say that or, or you know, I'm not stereotyping. But I'm saying I think there is a huge shift politically and socially in the gay community uh, that um, that does exist, that does publicly judge people privately I know because of all the testing and counseling I'm doing that people are still doing whatever they want to do privately behind closed doors, but they're not open about um, going to the sex clubs or, or not being monogamous right. and, or, as they used to be. And they, they don't even know about leather. A lot of the new generation doesn't know about leather. I survived uh, that whole epidemic by being open and talking openly about sex and just being open about uh, what I was had to do to enjoy myself but also be safe. So mm-hmm. I think when we stop being open about it is when it really it really did not help in terms of behavior that really protects people from infections. Right. Well, there's just so much that goes on here. Um, first, I want to give a shout-out to the clubs in Indianapolis, all the gay bars, because as you come in the doors, there are huge buckets full of condom kits. Yeah, and they're in that in, in the condom kit, besides the mint, which cracks me up, is lube and a certificate for you to go get checked for free from the clinic. So, you know, you can go get your free AIDS test. So, you know, have sex with whoever you want as long as it's legal and be safe. But people should be able to have fun, I think, without the labels. See, I'm a big take the label away person. I don't think I don't think we need the labels. Unless it's something positive like you're great, you're sexy, you're you're fantastic, you're amazing. Those are good labels to give people. Uh-huh. Well you know, you have the best lips on the face of the planet. Those those, those are those are good labels to give people. I I like that. I do too. But communication's important too. Open, honest communication. Being honest with yourself and honest with the person you're with. You know, back when I lived in Los Angeles, I was part of a very cutting-edge program that I thought was wonderful where uh, the HIV testing counselors, like myself, actually were situated in offices right in the middle of the bathhouses and the sex clubs. And you'd have these guys walking around in towels and stuff in, in their rooms, and they'd peek in, they'd see that, you know, you're fully dressed and you obviously went there to play. And they come in, they talk to you, and you let them know that you were there to answer questions and to counsel and to give them a free HIV test if they wanted one. And you really, really found out a lot, and it created this tremendous open communication and dialogue with all these people that were there uh, who, a lot of, for a lot of them, that was a very safe haven for them, either people who couldn't be open about their sexuality for whatever reason, they uh, weren't ready to come out of the closet, they didn't come from supportive environments. They, if they were in the park or somewhere else, they could have been bashed or killed. So the bathhouse or the sex club was a very safe place for them. And having someone to talk well, to... Although I'm not allowed in because I'm a girl. I, I uh, they, You know, they did have one for, for women for a while. <laughs> they did have one in L.A. for women. But it's mostly, they do have these clubs for men, you're right. So the one in Indianapolis is only for men and they won't let me in. I, I tried to even, I said, I can just hang out in the lobby and do a show. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> and what a show that would be! Yeah, I, I, I evidently so did not understand my love of gay men. Yes, well, you 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 are open about your sexuality, and I think um, I identify with that. I I get labeled. I, I mean, I have uh, it, 
we've talked a little briefly about this on my dad's side of the family. Uh, I, I want to clarify, not all of my relatives, all my family are, are the same, but there is a contingent on my dad's side of the family that are extremely conservative, and they make it a point to remind everybody they can that nobody should listen to me, nobody should like me, nobody should talk to me, and I should not be allowed to be an HIV testing counselor or a spokesperson or on a show like this with you because <gasps> I, I I was in adult films at one time in my life, and I pose naked, and I am And I still haven't seen them. I need links. Well, you're not missing anything. They they were, I don't know, they were real cheapies. <laughs> But, I mean, they are convinced and they want to convince everybody else that I am not worthy and I am not worth listening to because of uh, that activity and because of the fact that uh, I'm openly sexual and the fact that I did that. Um, there are people well, you know, I, I, think, I think if people were honest with themselves, let's face it, there are times that, you know, you just want to be monogamous, you just want that relationship, and there are times that you just want to line up the fifth fleet and fuck them all. I mean, I think we all have those days if you'd be really honest with yourself. Well, yeah, and it's 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 not... All of us are not just one-dimensional. I mean, that was one part of my life. I also uh, have a master's degree. I put myself through graduate school. I'm a very good counselor. Proud I have you. a master's degree. I have a, I have a graduate degree. I have a master's degree level education. I'm also, you know, an actor. In, in films, I actually do wear clothes. And I've been nominated for a Best Actor, so apparently someone thinks I've got some acting talent. Um, and, you know, there are other facets that we all have. To try to uh, permanently put a red scarlet letter on anybody for uh, one aspect of their life and convince everybody you can that they are not worthy of doing anything else or being listened to for any reason at all because of this one aspect, and unfortunately when it comes to sex, we do stigmatize people. Uh, that right. really prohibits anyone from uh, uh, being able to grow. And what does that say? You know, I do a lot of work with youth. What does that say to any kind of youth, whether it's uh, straight youth or lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender youth, who have ever uh, been in positions because they're thrown out in the street and they've had to resort to right. sex work? Uh, I mean, how, that that, that's, that's going to be a whole other show, Joe and I definitely I want to touch on that. I want to spend a whole show doing that, actually, talking about the LGBT youth and the transgendered youth that's forced to do sex work because they're they're thrown away. Um, yeah, and, you know, and, and nobody... How is somebody ever going to change their life or, or explore the things if we tell them, well, because you did that, the door is closed to you forever? Uh, right. And, and it's it's not, you know, that is, you know, that would be a good lead-in because the next fundraiser, the next event I'm going to do uh, is connected to that in New York City. So that's a, yes. that's a little teaser right By the there. way, if, if Joe and I ever touch chests, the world is either going to implode or one of the twin powers are going to activate, one of the two. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, if that was the case, we've had the world. The world would have exploded a couple times over because a few people have done it a couple times on both coasts to me, and so far, you know, no, 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 no just, just you and I, no, nobody else, just you and I. We're we're special. Oh, you and I. Well, that's another story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just you and I. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah, it's. The, the subject of sex still pushes buttons for people. As far as we've come, we've still got a long way to go. We still. Uh, I have a friend who used to tell me all the cool kids stayed in Europe because America mm -hmm. is so uptight about sex. Yeah, there was this wonderful documentary about, uh, I think it was Forbidden Hollywood, and it showed in the late 1950s the, the two versions of movies that were made uh, at independent studios. And one version would be the American version, which is, you know, sexy but in a very titillating kind of way. And then they had the European version they released where you actually saw boobies and, and butts and stuff. And it was just interesting, you know, the two markets, huh, even back then. And I, I don't know. I wonder how much has that really changed. Well, we, uh, we still have not, I don't think it there. really has because let's think of it this way. Okay, so we had Nipplegate with Janet, right? And at the same time, um, there's a very popular video game out where you could, like, shoot hookers in the head and shoot policemen and murder people. And the same people that are letting their teenagers and youngers play this video game were up in arms because Janet Jackson's nipple accidentally fell out on TV. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got a part of the game for you. Uh, post the... Uh, 
a picture of a nude butt or or something on Facebook and see how quickly it gets reported and your page gets taken down. Oh, and then look at the I got that, that I got banned for three days from Facebook for after Leonard Nimoy passed away. Uh, there was this beautiful picture going around one of the photos of of nude women of various sizes in his book, very tastefully and artfully done, and I shared it from somebody else. I don't know if that person got banned, but I got kicked off Facebook for three days. Yeah, and, and by the same token, they had uh, they've had pages up that were horrifically racist and damaging and hateful. Um, right. And that stay up indefinitely, that they never take down, never mm-hmm. take down. And so Don't do I guess they're, they're, right, right. Well, look what they did with the drag queens when they they were they were they're still doing it where they they ban people uh, for using their name. drag names or their food names. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. Come on, I mean, I agree. And obviously, it's someone who's got to bug up their their butt about the fact that they they're targeting specifically. Uh, drag performers or people who are identified with the LGBT communities. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. It, it's not rocket science. You can figure out what's going on. And Facebook doesn't do anything about it. They just go along with the program. So uh, there's another example of the uh, I don't know, I didn't know game, like they did in Flint, Michigan. Oh, we didn't know. How can you not know? I mean, really, what a load of shit. <laughs> how can you not know what's yeah, going on? Yeah, I can't on? tell you how many horrifically violent things come across my Facebook feed. By the way, people, I'm really tired of those because seeing horrendous things happen to animals does not make me feel more for the plight of animals. It actually desensitizes me. So you should think about that the next time you report. So you know you you post something nasty. Just saying, mm. you're not helping anybody out. You're just desensitizing them to violence. And you're you're helping to. Give the person who you're also helping the person who uh, wants that attention for for committing those brutal acts get that attention. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, um, which is yeah, that's the way. That's the way a sociopath or or, or uh, um, a, someone who has that kind of a, a horrific issue. That's the way they operate. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, attention. photographer David Vance has been banned several times from Facebook. Uh, and he stopped, you know, he started started having to crop his photos. Mm. Because you could see the curve of the guy's butt. Oh, my gosh, how horrible. <laughs> and he is so artistic. I just don't get it. I mean, there's a difference between an artistic nude and porn. If you don't want porn on Facebook, I perfectly understand that. That's fine. Um, but a nude and a porn are different things. Not that there's anything wrong with porn, Well, you you always have the option of not looking at it or not going to that page. You know, I mean, people have the option of just not having to be a, uh, a, an audience to that. So, you know, they they can just identify themselves. And you can so you can block them, or they can just remove themselves. So this whole power struggle thing it's really questionable to me. And I don't know if I lost Candy because I can't hear her right now. I am hearing silence. I'm not sure if that's because I'm talking over Candy right now and she's talking. I just can't hear her. Or I'm here. somehow we lost. Uh, yeah, okay, yay. <laughs> okay, I'm back. <laughs> yay. yay. That was my first test. My first test. There you go. I've been on, like first <laughs> I've been on shows. You know, uh, I've been on Candy shows. That might happen. But, you know, I just want to go. That's okay. We, we've, uh, Candy's had me, thank you, Candy, by the way. She's had Jess, <laughs> Ryan, and I as a guest on her show supporting our fundraising for our communities many times. And she's uh, she's always supported us and allowed us to, uh, to promote the organizations and the causes we believed in, which were, uh, at the time, I think it was for Fierce, the group that supports lesbian, gay, and bisexual, transgender, youth of color yeah. in New York City. And, um, but she's always supported and promoted what we did. And, and, and now, though, this is actually my first time co-hosting a show. So, Woo-hoo. yeah. 
<laughs> How'd I do? And some and sometime we'll have Jed on here. I think you're doing a great job. I'm really excited about this. I think we're going to do amazing things. Um, either that or we'll melt the Internet. One of the two. It'll be fine. Either way. <laughs> Move over, Kardashians. Yes. We're going to melt the Internet in a good way. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you know, the only well, one of them I can see it is Chloe. I'm just, I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> you like Chloe? I, I like Chloe because she's a curvier girl and she seems a little more real than the others. What do you think of Caitlyn? I like Caitlyn. I think that that was really brave. I really do. I mean, in some ways. I, in some ways, I think it's maybe Caitlyn, because of the publicity, could have had it easier. I, I don't I don't know. That's, I love that Caitlyn came out and decided to be Caitlyn. There are some gray areas for me, but I would have to know more information. Well, I based on the information that I do know, I do know that she, uh, Caitlin, did and does have it easier. She does come from a place of privilege. She is not as informed and as has not had a, a history of being active at all with any lesbian, gay, transgender communities, which, you know, I, I welcome her, uh, embrace her opportunity to... Um, pursue learning and to pursue getting that education and learning more about those communities. Caitlin, honey, what you need to do is call Joe and I so we can fill you in. (laughs) Well, as far as having her on the cover of Vanity Fair, I'd have rather seen any multitude of people who who have walked the walk, who have struggled the struggle, like my friend Bambi Salcido in Los Angeles or any number of transgender leaders uh, in New York City, you know, uh, who have fought the fought, fought the, excuse me, fought the fight. Um, she doesn't have a history of any activism, of any connection to these communities. Uh, she just has a, a position of privilege. So I can see the resentment, and I personally was a little outraged at her getting this coverage and not knowing really what to speak about. Really, we're watching her journey as she learns, but... Um, she, as far as being a spokesperson, I, I don't see that she's ever been one uh, for the community. Right. She's, she's right. a transgender woman. We salute her being a transgender woman. I don't salute her as being a known activist or leader in those communities because she hasn't been. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. But she deserves to be the transgender woman she is now. Uh, does she deserve all that money? I, hell no. She she had all that money already. She didn't need that money. Someone else could have used that money much better. But, hey, that's the way of the world. Right. Yeah, there there were some things, though, that I definitely took her side on, the fact that they wanted to take her medals away. Um, I thought was totally ridiculous. Well, giving her awards, I thought, was kind of uh, an odd decision to give her right, awards. No, I, I'm ta- I, no, I was more thinking about the fact that they wanted to take her Olympic medals away. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> you you... She is embracing her gender identity. Don't punish her for embracing her gender identity, but don't reward right. her for being an activist when she wasn't one. Okay, so it's two-sided. Yes, you don't punish somebody for embracing their gender identity. She deserves to be applauded for embracing her gender identity. Does she deserve to be awarded for being an activist? I, I don't see why, because she hasn't been one. She's never been one. No, I definitely see that side. I think that there's, like I said, I think... There's a lot of gray areas, too, because she's just not educated in the way that most people um, have been because of her privilege. So the transition was um, maybe harder in some ways because of the public eyes, but I think a lot easier in other ways because, you know, there there was a privilege that was there. And that's the media I, can, I, I criticize even more than her for the choices they made. They could have chosen any number of people to be on the cover of those magazines, and they could have chosen any number of people to celebrate, promote, and to speak with about their journey, and they chose her. So I, I put because the thought right on money. the media. Right. Let's just not, make money. Not her. Just... No, no, yeah. I'm not, I'm, the, the magazines and stuff and the people that, that did all that, it was just let's put the, the most sensational thing out here. That's the thing about the media. I mean, I wrote... Um, articles for years for an online magazine and the thing about the media is it's 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 just there's so little truth left anymore. It's just so much sensationalism. 
Well, also just a, a lack of education, a, a lack of enlightened right. people, a lack of people who are politically aware. Uh, these are not political activists. These are not people who are socially conscious. These are people who like to make money and go get martinis at the end of the day with their community friends. When they're when they're right. controlling the decision, you know, you're not going to get social awareness on the cover of the magazine. You're going to get people who like to be with the A-list crowd and go to the best parties and drink the fanciest martinis. And those are the those are the their selections are based on that mentality. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, believe it or not, we are we are into overtime. We are um, our podcast officially ran out of time, so the people in the chat room can't hear us. But um, you know, we have time to make our closing statements and stuff. This has been an amazing first hour. I really want to thank you for stepping up to the plate when I said, "Hey, I want I want to do this again." Um, and Joe's like, "Hey, I want to do it with you," and I was so excited that you did that. By the way, so I'm just really thrilled to have you on the air. Thank you, Candy. Thank you for for inviting me. I, I can't think of any woman I'd rather spend the night with. I can't say that about a lot of women. <laughs> I'm so privileged. <laughs> me too. See, gay men do love me. That's mm-hmm. a thing. I love you too. Um, so thank you again. Thank you everybody for listening, and um, we will be here next week to talk about David Bowie, and we have a very special guest that I'm hugely excited about. So tune in next week and um, give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear about because we want to, you know, give you what you want to hear. So good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night, everyone.